What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Victor Viegas, who is a very interesting character, and I'm, I'm excited to get in and dive deep with you. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Victor. Thanks, Rick. Happy to be here. Dude, so we were kind of talking um, before we started the show, and you said you're in um, your passion kind of is, is steam, right? And and if you kind of want to let the listeners know what steam means and how you got into it, that would be awesome. Sure. Well, steam is uh, steam education. So a lot of folks are um, familiar with STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, but I'd like to add the A for the arts, which I think is very important. Um, and so I do STEAM K through 12 outreach and engagement through Oregon State University. That's, that's amazing. So what kind of led you on that path, would you say? Well, um, as a kid, I was interested in a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be a pilot and I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a musician, um, but not like I, you know, wanted to do one thing and then change to something else. And then, you know, I decided that now nah, that wasn't it. And I went, no, I wanted to do all these things at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just loved learning. I loved learning ever since I was a little kid and uh, it's been a passion of mine. And I've been very fortunate um, to be able to pass that on now to other, you know, to kids. And uh, my goal is to just turn them on to learning in general. But I especially like using the arts to introduce those kids that do not normally gravitate towards STEM, um, to introduce them to STEM subjects using the arts. I think that when you say use, because I feel like if met, like, I I think it was a year or two ago, the United States won um, some sort of math competition. Mm. And the guy that was the coach for the, the, the United States the Team USA was like, if math was taught in a more artistic form, because he doesn't look at it as like a, he looks at it as a hard science, but he also looks at it as art. Mm. It's like if it was taught in a different way a lot of people wouldn't fear it and they might think it's, they might see the same kind of beauty in mathematics that I do. Um, so is this like, is that kind of what steam is all about when you, when you decided to add the arts on there? Definitely. I mean, I think we focus so much on the STEM, we've for, forgotten the creative side of things. And there's a lot of creativity in art, in science, technology, engineering, and math. Just like you said, you know, I've, I've talked to mathematicians and computer programmers, and they talk about the beauty of code, right? The really mm -hmm. good programmers talk about how elegant code looks, right? That's not something you typically you hear when you're talking about programming, but there, there, there is a visual. There is a very logical and and you know a pretty form of of math can be very pretty, right? There is math in art, you know. Um, there is math in music. There is math in pretty much all of the creative arts, and vice versa. So I, personally, I don't think we can actually separate them. We've separated them you know, for the way things get funded. And, you know, we want to kind of concentrate on what they call the hard skills um, versus the humanities. And I think that's been a, a 
kind of a failure on our part because as if you talk to employers nowadays, uh, what they're really looking if is for students, uh, you know, future employees who are much more creative, innovative, right? Um, the hard skills that's that's fairly easy to teach. I mean, you can go to YouTube and learn how to do that stuff and just practice it and do it over and over again. Of the arts, the humanities is a little bit harder, right? And to me, everything has to be integrated to actually be successful. I think that's a very interesting um, idea. I, I agree with you. I think that you do need some sort of integration. Um, and, and especially, in my opinion, I have kind of a... Um, slanted view of the education educational process right i feel like <laughs> it teaches you to be a, a drone right like yeah. a school for me i was not i just hated school i hated i did not like my time in school i'm glad i'm i'm done but um it is amazing how many and i have had some great teachers that that definitely like saw that i maybe didn't belong and would tailor things in a way that I understood them or, or make them fun or, or let me go ahead or whatever. So right. I think that, I mean, I think what you're doing is very important, especially if you catch them early, right. And, and teach them that learning is fun. Most definitely. Yeah. So I loved school when, when I was in school, I, I loved it so much that uh, I would study extra. I basically lived at the library after school or, you know, whenever I had a chance. Instead of going out to play sports or whatnot, I'd just go to the library and read books. I'd read books on airplanes, you know, aviation, uh, aerospace. I'd read books on um, puppetry and music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you could see the stuff back here, I, mean, got, I got puppets and keyboards and guitars and all kinds of artistic stuff and technology. Um, but I just loved learning new and interesting and different things. Uh, so much so that um, uh, I actually uh, skipped a couple of grades and graduated high school when I was 16. Right. And, oh, snap. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he says, you must be smart. It's like, no, I just was not lazy like a lot of folks, you know. A lot of kids, they have the potential. Everybody has the potential to learn. It's just how much work do you actually put into it, right? That is a – true words have never been spoken, my friend, because I was – I found out about girls when I was 13, and that was the end of my academic <laughs> excellence. <laughs> That was the end of my academic excellence. Like I, there, <laughs> that was all that was conceived. That was all that was on my mind, and and sports too. But yeah. um, I would definitely agree, and I think it's good to to try and foster that in the youth. Like if I ever have kids, that's something that I would try. I try and keep away from the girls or boys, whichever whichever one I have. But like, <laughs> and to and to foster that um, love for learning. Uh, one of the, one of the things I want to get into. You said you you host, was it a drone chat on um, Clubhouse? I I co-moderate. Yes, um, it's part of the. Uh, are you familiar with Clubhouse? So I am like I've I had an invitation. It's not on Android. I'm. I'm it is now. It. Oh, I'm using it. There. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they just opened it up last week. So. Yeah. It's about time. Mm -hmm. It's about mm -hmm. to, I'm going to use that. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, one of the clubhouse uh, chats is uh, it's called talk nerdy to me. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's different chats underneath that, you know, big umbrella. Uh, one of them is one we have on Mondays 
five o'clock Pacific time. And it's, it's just all things drones, right? Uh, it's hosted by um, a few co-moderators, uh, and I'm one of those. So we talk about you know, drone news, uh, drone policy, drone law, pretty much anything, technology, and also drone education, which is my gig. So drones are, I just was filmed. I have this um, other side project I, uh, that I'm doing called the, the Church of the Chubby. And it's, a, it's kind of a blog. It's just, a, it's a fitness journey. And I had a guy, there's this, this hill that I run by my house called the Death Hill. And he <laughs> took a drone and followed me. It's, it's 16% grade. Mm. Like, it's awful. And um, he followed me up and, and um, had a camera on it. And the shots were amazing. And yeah. I kind of, I don't know anything about like drone laws, policies. I would really love to kind of figure out what the, what future do you see with drones? I mean, I feel like it's, it's, it, it has a potential to be, and I'm talking about my ass a bit, but to be like a, a technology disruptor, even though it's been what they've had drones for 15 years now, something like that, maybe, maybe. Longer. Well, the, the, the ones that most people know as drones. Yeah. But drones have been around for quite a, quite a while, actually. Well, let's get into drone history right now. <laughs> how, how, how long, how long have drones been around for? Well, uh, okay. So, the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, considers anything that flies without a pilot on board pretty much a drone, right? So if you take that definition, um, it could and, and you control it, right? So it has to be able to control. So they used to use these um, military target drones is what they were, right? Yes. That they would fly for target practice. And that's where the kind of, most people agree that's kind of where the word comes from. Um, so we've heard of drone, you've heard of drone bees, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they only have one function. <laughs> that's pretty much what these military drones were. They had one function, they to, to be used as target practice, right? Okay. Plus you also have the sound of the drone, you know, zzz, just, mm -hmm. you know, flying around. So. Um, but yeah, they used to use them for target practice uh, before World War II, I believe. Uh, there was actually, in World War I, there was a semi-autonomous flying bomb uh, that was called the Kettering Bug. And this thing had like a very basic gyro system on it with a timer. And the, the idea was that they you know, had wings <laughs> and they fly this thing out, had a propeller, and it was supposed to go out. And once the timer ended, it was then supposed to stop flying and then just drop down over the enemy. It didn't quite see action because they couldn't get the timing perfected, and they were afraid that they would uh, be bombing their own soldiers. So, But that's kind of the start of, of drones, right? So that's, you know, World War One long time ago it's uh, Whoa. 100 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but most people when they we talk about drones they're thinking about the commercial drones or the military ones right and that's definitely a lot more earlier now so uh military has been using them for what 50 60 years or so now uh and then those commercial ones the quadcopters multi-rotor drones you know the dgi stuff mm -hmm. the, the, the mavics and phantoms that you see flying around those things have been around for what is it now um, nine, uh, eight, nine years and, uh, maybe 10 or 12, there were some home built ones. Right. So okay. about a decade or so for, for the more modern 
prosumer consumer drones. Oh, that's yeah. And so how I know Amazon has been using drones for delivery. How do you? Oh, they're testing you it out. They're testing okay. it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How how do you actually think that that is going to happen? I think it's a, a matter of time. Yeah. Um, the technology barriers are not as big as the policy um, and their public perception barriers. I think those are even bigger, right? Because uh, the technology is just a matter of time. They get the flight times, they get uh, up, you know, so they can fly for a lot longer. Um, that's one of the issues we have with battery operated drones. But, you know, they're starting to come up with hybrid drones and drones that fly with, with gas engines and whatnot. So um, that also will help with the payload. You know, how much can you pick up and deliver with them? So that's a solvable solution, technically. In terms of policies and public perception, uh, you know, there's still a lot of people that that think of drones in a military sense, or that's thinking that drones are spying on you. You know, some folks are thinking that the Amazon drones are going to actually, while they're delivering things, also be spying on people, right? <laughs> on their routes, you know, who knows? Uh, but <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's the perception of reality that becomes reality, right? Absolutely. So there's a lot of people that are against uh, drone use uh, of the police using drones, uh, of um, government using drones, of, you know, big box offices using drones, who who wants this Amazon drone flying over their house and with the possibility of it falling out of the sky and, you know, injuring people and whatnot. So that's, you know, we've, we do that with airplanes now um, and we have no problem. Uh, so in order for drone delivery to happen, if they're going to be flying over, um, inhabited areas, you know, places where they're flying over people, they're going to have to then certify those airframes of those drones just like they would actual aircraft. And that takes a lot of uh, paperwork, a lot of engineering, a lot of expense. Uh, so I'm not sure that a lot of the tech folks getting into the drone delivery uh, and the drone taxi, because they're, they're also thinking of carrying humans, right? I don't know that it will be anytime soon because of all these regulations and policies that having them classify them almost, if not even more rigorous than human carrying uh, airplanes. I, I, was, I just had to pull up a picture of the drone taxi because I've never <laughs> heard of that in my life. Yeah. That is so sweet. Yeah, there's a bunch of companies working on that right now. Whoa. I is, just... Well, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Is the one you're looking at maybe the one from China? The Yuhang or something like that? Uh, I'm I'm not 100% sure. Ooh, actually. But the Yuhang? Yuhang, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's one yeah, of the yeah, more... That, um, known ones this is this is in uh south korea actually oh okay. and then and then it looks like dubai's testing a drone yep. taxi service yep we have i don't know if i would feel super chill in that <laughs> though like i'm not gonna lie to you because i mean i'm even i even not 100 percent sure about the self-drive of uh, the autonomous cars right uh, my my argument against them is well i mean number i'm too old 
<laughs> I'm I I uh, I don't trust technology that much. Mm. And if the computer has to make a decision, it's going to make one. I think it'd be programmed to make one that would ensure the least amount of loss of life. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm selfish as fuck, so I want to live. Like so, if if it if I. <laughs> That's just me. I know that I am going to always act in my self-interest. Right. I don't know if I want to put that in the hands of someone that I don't know that programmed it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it'll be, it's possible that there might be some type of hybrid system where it's like a human can take control over at any point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that would make sense for me. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with what's called fly-by-wire. Um, you know, the... Uh, military has airplanes flying right now. They've been flying for, for years and decades. Uh, like the F-16s fly by wire. It is run by computers. Basically there is no cable connected to the flying surfaces, right? It's all electronic. Um, there used to be an airplane that was called, uh, let's see, was the X-29 that had like a forward swept wing. Mm-hmm. That thing had three computers that actually helped fly it because no human could possibly fly it uh, in the configuration that was made. So they have the computers and they have the redundancy. There's a possibility of, you know, the computers making that decision, but in conjunction with a human input, right? Yeah. yeah. So think of having, a, you know, a fleet of 20 drone taxis, right? And you have one drone operator that is controlling this, you know, from screens. You, you get these sensors telling you that something's going wrong with one of them. The pilot can turn it on and take it off autopilot and then fly it. So mm-hmm. I can see it possibly working, but I don't think we're anywhere near that just yet. Um, here at Oregon State University, where I work, they're researching traffic systems for these unmanned uh, autonomous aircraft where the computers are deciding what's the most efficient way to get from point A to point B, which is, as we know, not always a straight line. And then how do you deconflict the airspace so that they're not running into each other and that they actually can take turns and make it more efficient. So if this drone is busy here, then this other drone avoids it and goes in a different route. Um, so, there's people working on on the software and the tech side of things, and I think we will eventually get somewhere there. I don't know. It's, it's the exact same way that people are quite imagining it right now. At the very least, I could definitely see drone deliveries maybe happening from a hub, right? Maybe not over the city, but rurally where you have a warehouse, and then you can ship stuff from the warehouse to a uh, centrally located area where then it gets distributed by your UPS or Amazon truck or whatnot. Yeah, that 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 is very interesting. I do, I I would if I was good, if you were going to guess how many years out that is, how and and how how big can these drones get, and how far away do you think that they would fly? Well. Again, what's your definition of a drone? So there is a company out in California right now is testing actual airplanes that are already certified, you know, to fly humans, Mm -hmm. and they're just putting autonomous technology inside it. So they're not reinventing the airplane. They're not making a multi-rotor drone. They're using an actual aircraft that can already carry people and carry equipment uh, and just retrofitting it to fly autonomously. So... 
technically you can convert a 747 into a drone. You know, you don't have an actual pilot on board um, and it flies autonomously. It's just a matter of putting the right technology inside to control that, right? Oh yeah, that's this is I'm loving this conversation right now <laughs> because it's it's just getting my brain going. Um, I I do truly believe that we're I don't know maybe within the end of my lifetime. I I don't know how much how many jobs will be left. I think that hmm. that the the speed at which automation is occurring and we're now we're talking about drone taxis i know that, it's, that there's already autonomous cars or mm-hmm. their tesla's close um i mean shit i'm gonna say they are because i've seen so many people so many videos of people sleeping in their teslas <laughs> is just cruising down the road <laughs> you know um oh, man. I, I mean yeah. eventually either i think eventually it would just get to the point where we you know, I don't know. Like, take the human I, out of the equation. We would take the human out of the equation because it's cheaper to yeah. Yeah. have robots. They don't need to sleep. They don't right. need. They don't. There's no emotions. They're always going to be on, and they can run twenty four seven, no break. Yep. And I think that that would. I mean, if it's a utopian society, right? Like, the, the, we could all just work on our art and our passions and doing. That's that's the that's the dream, right? That's the, who yeah, right. who knows if that would end up happening? But I mean, we would just invent. Like, I I don't necessarily fear automation in the same regard that I used to because of uh, uh, this guy named Neville Ravenkamp, uh, this very influential um, thinker. He's like, we'll just invent new jobs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So why are you afraid of that replacing your job? Was being a professional video game player 20 years ago, 30 years ago, was that even something that existed? No, it isn't. But yep. people may, are making millions of dollars playing video games. Right. You have a an entire economy right now on Twitch, which is people that stream. Other people will watch them play video games and pay them money and tip them. You have uh, – so there's – I mean, you have OnlyFans where people take nudes of themselves and get paid for that. Like, So there's new industries popping up where people are, are making a living when te- technology continues – continues to disrupt. Right. And this is one of the reasons that I really emphasize the arts and creativity um, to be part of the educational system, because as we, as a society, um, turn more to technology, technology starts replacing traditional jobs, um, not just blue collar jobs, but also white collar jobs, right? Mm -hmm. High tech jobs. um, Then, like you say, what are we going to do? What are those new jobs? And what is really what what robots and and algorithms machines what they're really good at is doing things that can follow a process right step 1 step 2 step 3 if you can write it down and 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 put it and break it down into steps a machine or computer a robot's going to be able to do that better faster more efficiently cheaper than a human being at some point right if not already we're already starting to see that yeah it's that Stuff that's out of the box that you haven't seen, you know, machine learning is based on seeing things that repeated and seeing patterns. But what if that pattern does not exist, right? It's the unknown. It's preparing for the emergency situation that you've never been in. Humans are really good at reacting to things that they've never seen before, right? Yes. Machines, not so good. 
machines usually have to learn something. They have to have some type of an image or, or, or some data in their database that refers it. And they can make a really good inference. Um, but humans, I, I think, are still ahead. And, you know, I, I've heard folks, tech folks, say eventually they'll reach that human capacity. It's like, I don't know, especially in terms of creativity, because human beings can take two or more totally unrelated things and assign it uh, a value, assign it a reference and say, this is now this, okay? Like, let's say I'm going to take a tennis racket, right? We know it's a tennis racket. Everybody knows what is a tennis racket. What is it used for? But a human being can say, okay, this tennis racket is now going to be a guitar and I'm going to play, you know, (laughs) air guitar on it, right? Every kid does something like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's just us being creative and and thinking of it in a very abstract way. It's not what it was intended for, and yet we can use it for something else to to do play, right? To to play like if we were a musician playing air guitar on a on a tennis racket. Okay, can a computer just randomly call something something else, and then it's everybody sees that as that? I don't think so. You know, and we can change that on the fly. So right now. Yeah, not right now. And I don't think in our lifetime. (laughs) So, um, but at, at, at the same time, um, you do have artificial intelligence that can write symphonies and write music. And, uh, I believe it was Dana reason. And I had this conversation Mm -hmm. and tomorrow you might've pulled that up. I just feel like, and then, and I, I would say towards the end of my life, then, then maybe I would see that. I don't know. We keep talking about, or every, there's some people that are like, yes, our AI will become uh, self-aware. We'll pass a two-ring test in the next like, 15 years, and and whatnot. Nope. I'm not, Sorry. I'm not sure I buy that. I'm not <laughs> no, sure I, don't I buy, buy it. that. I don't buy as a creative. I, I do not buy that. And and here's the reason why is because human beings have feelings. Have uh, we we. We create based on experience, on emotions, right? And we can look at a sunset and be inspired and write a song or a poem about it, right? A machine, what does it feel, you know? It can reference these things that that people tell it that, okay, this is a feeling you should feel. But we're not being told that. We're feeling it in real time as it's happening, right? And each human being is different. I I can't see a machine being inspired to do something without it having some type of a directive or reason to do it. We do stuff. I mean, why do some people do art? Well, just because they have to, right? How do you explain that to a machine? Does a machine have to create art like an artist does? Probably not. I don't think it'd ever get to that point, right? Oh, it, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever say ever. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I listen. You're talking to you're talking to tinfoil hat person. <laughs> I te- I love I love and loathe technology all in the same vein. Yeah. Like I I see that it. I do think eventually, if if if, I guess when really. 
computers or AI become self-aware, I, th- I mean, I think it's over for us. I think that's the end. Yeah, but it would have to have a soul of somehow in order to to compare with a human. And they don't have that, if right? Can, can they have compassion, empathy? Um, can they sacrifice themselves uh, for the better of humanity? You know, for, for better of computers. It, 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 but it, you, you could program that into it, right? Like, so that would be in its code, right? Essentially, it's DNA. So I'll, I'll argue, I'll push back a little bit here. Everything that, like, you and I are both programmed. We were programmed by our parents. We were told, like, this this is a color blue. And if you didn't see that, then you were told you had, uh, I don't know, whatever that's called. You're colorblind. Like, but we're all programmed. If you If you come from a broken household, like some of that trauma that's going to be programmed into you. Mm-hmm. So all, all I guess I'm arguing is that someone would program those things into AI. And, and, and when it, when it eventually was able to pass a two ring test, it would, it would have those things because it'd been programmed by the, its creator. It's a slippery slope. It's interesting to think about, but that's are you kind of picking up what I'm putting down. No, yeah, I totally understand, and I hear a lot of people make that argument. Um, I'm just not convinced. Again, um, because I I don't know. As a creative, I'm able to do just some weird stuff and put it out there and call it art and and make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And a program is uh, from a computer or for the most part, it's logical, <laughs> it, yes. you know, and it doesn't work very saying. well with illogical things. And yet humans do illogical things every single day. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, sometimes we're, you know, our own worst enemy. So I guess, I guess, I think I see your point, but I'm not saying that it would be human. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying right. it would be self-aware, self-aware. And a an infinitely better intelligence than anything that biology has ever produced, because it's able it would be able to create copies of itself and then pro, like re make itself better. It could go through a millions of years of evolution in like two minutes. Like that's I I don't want that. I hope that that never happens. <laughs> And I mean, the fact that I'm terrified of it and Elon Musk is terrified of it. Like, yeah. oh, we got that in common, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think we're we're a ways away. I hope we're a ways away. I, literally, I hope I never live to see that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, same here, same here. And I, I think what really we need to concentrate uh, is, is not to use technology to overtake, you know, human work or, or human capacity, but how can we use technology to enhance human abilities, right? And work in conjunction with. That's, I think, where we should be really uh, concentrating on. I think we should be. And I don't think we're necessarily doing that, uh, doing a very good job of that right now. Um, And that, that worries me a little bit. But I think that there are more people that are aware of its pitfalls now than mm-hmm. ever before. Sure. If, if we look at like this past year when everyone was isolated and just on social media and bored and had probably more screen to, I would, I don't know if this is true at all, but like I would assume had more screen time mm-hmm. than ever before, just because right. we couldn't do anything, couldn't right. go outside and whatnot. Um, and I, I think you saw, 
we saw massive spikes of depression, suicide, all of that stuff. So, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I, I love and loathe technology <laughs> at the same time. Like I'm damn near addicted to my phone. I had to remove Instagram from my, <laughs> from my phone. I was like, I'm spending way too much time on here. And I hear you. I'm a technologist and I love technology, but you know, it's that human connection that humans, you know, realize now so after the pandemic or, you know, we're still in it, but it, it's like, we want to be around others. Right. Yes. And, and when it all comes down to the end is it's the relationships you had with other people that really is meaningful and not so much the, the tech that we used or, or, or did. Right. So um, going back to why I like to, to really emphasize the arts and integration with STEM. The arts is where we have the humanities, right? It's where we have the ethics. It's where we make sure that technology is working for humanity, not against it. So that's why it's, again, very important for me to integrate the arts yes. with the sciences. That's, that's very smart. I'm in support of this right now. I didn't even know this was a thing. And now I'm, <laughs> I'm pumped up. And it looks like you are a bit of an... I've seen... I'm seeing... I'm seeing puppets. Yeah. I'm seeing are you do you make music? I do. I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I've oh. um, played music since I was a kid and wrote songs, composed them. Wow. So, yeah. Have you recorded any? Have you released any albums? Um, not like traditional albums, but uh fun side facts. So online I'm usually known as drone singer, the weird Al of Drones, world's number one creator of parody songs about drones. <laughs> so, which is a kind of a crazy weird thing. Uh, but yeah, I have uh, drone parody songs on YouTube and SoundCloud and uh, put stuff out every once in a while. And I've actually latched onto that, uh, you know, my 15 minutes of fame or whatever you want to call it and use that to promote my, my steam outreach and engagement. That's awesome. So this is very, I'm number DeMarco, you got to find a link, dude. I got to listen to this. What was, <laughs> I can sing a song for you if you want. Oh, you totally dude. You got to do this. This is, <laughs> this is a Rick's mind first right now. I'm this is hot take hot exclusive. All right, man, I'm jacked. Okay. So I, I do some uh, drone and education workshops. Um, I've, I've done, coordinated some drone education workshops for uh, educators at Oregon State University. We you know, bring some teachers from across the state and even outside uh, Oregon and, and have workshops to teach them how to use drones in their classrooms. But I also do workshops and uh, demonstrations for K through 12 students, right? So one of my workshops that I do, I teach them how to, what are drones, how to fly, what's the physics behind them. But I sing a song at the beginning of each workshop, which talks about the technology of drones. And so this is a, it's kind of a loose parody based on what I like about you and, um, uh, what love or something like that. I can't remember that second song, but anyways, you you kind of recognize some of the tune for it. But this is called "Drones Are Cool." Oh, I'm so pumped! <laughs> it's actually a hashtag I use. Hey, uh huh. 
let me tell you about drones. Just listen to me sing. They are cool flying robots with awesome technology. Yeah, they have IMUs to help stabilize. They have GPS to guide them in the sky and fly autonomously. Singing, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it loud. Say it clear. Drones are cool. Yeah. Drones are cool. There are many kinds of drones. Some are small, some are big. There are even drones you can race and fly FPV. Yeah, there are multi-rotor drones. Some are fixed wing. They are controlled via radio frequencies. They're used for many different things. Singing, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it loud. Say it clear. What? Drones are cool. Drones are cool. Yeah. You got it. I was going to say drones are, are weird. Cool. <laughs> One more verse. If you want to fly drones, please fly responsibly. Stay away from airplanes, airports. Yes, indeed. Read the manual through and through. Learn to calibrate or you might crash and it's too late. Fly your drone, but fly safely. Singing yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it loud. Say it clear. What? Drones are cool. Yeah. Drones are cool. Yeehaw. <laughs> Bravo, man. <laughs> that was great. Now, <laughs> I want to say drones are weird, though. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, I'm getting kids excited about the technology, right? I'm, in I'm the song, I'm, I'm talking about IMUs and GPS and all this, you know, flying autonomously. And so it's a great introduction to, to the workshop. Man, that's great. I, I love seeing pe people that are passionate about what they do. Oh, I love it. Love it. And, and it, you know, my passion is, is transferring that passion over to, to youth, to students. You know, I don't care what they get passionate about. I just want to make sure that they're passionate about something. Because once they're turned on to be learning about, you know, something that they love, it, the rest is, 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 you know, is easy, right? Yes, yes. I just come across so many students that's like, well, what are you interested in? What are you going to be? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to study? They're like, I don't know. You know, and it's that just kills me to hear that. Right. And it's like, there isn't something. Is it music? Is it sports? Is it, you know, so you got to be interested in something, you know. And so I try to guide them into seeing different ways of maybe they can get interested in, you know, some science, technology, engineering, art and math. Um, and usually with one of those, especially with the creative arts, uh, you can usually find some type of interest to, that they can grab a hold of. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, man. That's 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 so cool. I <clears throat> it's a great song too. It's a great song. Thanks. And you've got a bunch of these songs about Yeah, drones. I got like over 30 or so. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are about uh, drone safety, you know, to be responsible and don't fly over people and uh, yeah, they, they I got to I got to ask the sorry to interrupt you. I got to no. ask this question. Did is that how you would memorize stuff when you were studying in in school? As you'd write songs about it? No, I uh, not songs. Um, although that would be 
I should have done it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I've I'm fortunate. I, I can't say that I have a fully photographic memory, but I have a somewhat photographic memory. I can remember seeing things, right, or hearing things. And uh, what I would do is I would take notes, but I would actually draw pictures. And mm. those pictures would be my, you know, help along with my text notes, right? But the pictures would, would you know, this was before computers, before PowerPoint or, or whatnot. And, and so just drawing the pictures would help me understand things. Oh, that's cl- That's interesting. That's I, I if I would say I learn best through. I have to be interested in anything that I'm learning, mm-hmm. and if I'm interested in it, I can generally hear something and not recite it perfectly, but I could get the gist of whatever is going on. Writing also helps, but like. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely an auditory learner. I like mm. to hear things. I'm and then sometimes I like to, you know, learn by doing as well, but like generally I like to 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 listen. That's always how I've learned. I've learned best, especially I like to read if I'm really into anything, any sort of book or anything like that's all I have to be interested. Honestly, it doesn't work any other way. Well, that's I, pretty much for anybody. Really. I can't. I <laughs> and can't that's the learn. thing. That's the problem. We don't we have a lot of kids that are not interested, right? They're not turned on to it. And it's because they don't see it's relevant to their lives or to their future. And that's one of the issues that we have. Yes. You know, we're is. teaching to the test. We're teaching to the, we're telling them that's, this is the way you have to do things. And it's like, really? Why? Because we've, that's the way we've always done it. You know, it worked when we were, you know, turning into an industrial nation and we had to, you know, do mass production and, and make everything exactly the same, but we turned people into robots in a time. <laughs> and again, we're not robots. We're not machines. Uh, machines are great at doing that repetitive stuff. Humans weren't made to do that. Humans were made no, to d- be different and creative. Yes. Mo- most, most, most men lead lives of quiet desperation right and that's what was i think it was i think it was i think that's ralph waldo emerson but i'm not 100 sure but um and that's and it just kind of what my show's about well it's about me and i want to talk to interesting people and learn great things and and stuff but it's also to to spark the interest in Mm -hmm. the listener and like one of the things that I've always said is the world isn't as it seems. There's a lot of shades of gray and there's a lot of weird shit that happens in the world. And um, <clears throat> I just, yeah, my, my, my mission in life is to kind of spread that. Oh, God. What was up? Oh, I was just going to say the, uh, that quote, the, uh, what is it? Massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. That's Henry David Thoreau. Son of a bitch. Thank you. <laughs> and that's why I have DeMarco, because I mess things up constantly. <laughs> Always. And the internet. That's, that's, thank uh, you, Google. <laughs> thank you, Google. There's your technology. <laughs> exactly. We're probably going to switch to DuckDuckGo at some point so we can get better <laughs> better search results. Yeah, we are very paranoid at Rick's mind. 
extremely. <laughs> I don't blame you. Extremely paranoid. Um, yeah, man. So where, like, where can people find you? Um, all the traditional, you know, social media channels. So uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I do have dronesinger.com, you know, and they're they're linked off of that. I got SoundCloud. Uh, it's basically if you just Google drone singer, you know, one word, um, you'll find all my stuff. So it's uh, I'm, on, I'm honestly looking you up right now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got so much stuff out there, and I've done a lot of information that I've put out that I usually come up in the you know several top search searches. If you've especially if you go drone singer Victor Villegas, it's like you know the first two pages is just all my stuff. That's it. It is. It is. That's <laughs> yeah, so my, my real job during the day is um, as a technology and media support coordinator for Oregon State University Extension Service. So I help faculty and staff use technology and media to reach um, new audiences in new innovative ways. And so one of the things that I teach and, and I support is using social media, right? So Drone Singer was kind of an experiment to show how one person with freely available tools online can uh, create influence online. And it's it's been widely successful, as you can see by the search engine <laughs> results. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. That's so cool. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll definitely have you back again, man. Um, and uh, thank you. Oh, thank awesome. you. My pleasure. This has been fun. That's all we got for you, folks. We'll talk to you next week.